So from a financial advice business point of view, you either envision building a big financial services provider business, or you envisioned having a small business being basically you and maybe a couple of support staff. And that is the business that uh, you envisioned. But the one thing that both of these have in common is that both of them value independence highly. They, they value it in, in, I would say, over and above everything else. So a lot of blood, sweat and tears went into building these businesses, particularly if you're a small business. There's a lot of sacrifice and a lot of time that goes into, into building that business. And now you're possibly in a position where you start asking yourself if it's worth it anymore. And uh, particularly if you always plan building this small business, right? Because if you're building this big business, maybe you don't feel that way and maybe you're like excited about where you're going. But when you envision this small business and uh, we are where we are, you may very well be starting to ask yourself, like, is this, is this worth it? I think it feels like you're doing everything but giving financial advice, probably, in that situation. And uh, we made two very specific predictions about two years ago around where we see things are going and what the future of advice uh, will look like from a Tide and an IFA perspective, independent financial advisor perspective. And there are clear signs that they are starting to come true. This is Propulsion the podcast for forward-thinking and driven and ambitious financial planning professionals. It is the catalyst to the exponential growth of your financial planning practice, your business, or your franchise. Uh, this is where professionals come in order to learn about the latest technology, to learn about best practice when it comes to running and managing their business, as well as marketing, sales, relationship building, the best and most valuable interviews with local and international guests, and a whole host of other things. Without any further ado, here is your host, François de Toy. Okay, <clears throat> let me just clear my throat. Alrighty, so before I get into sort of the predictions and what I'm seeing happening and what's coming through and what's not, uh, I just want to sort of paint the picture of where we've come from and how things have changed. Because as I said earlier, I started way back in 1998 which now, I don't know, it doesn't even feel like a lifetime ago, but if I think about everything that's happened, there is a heck of a lot that happened in the industry and the profession. So, yeah, a lot to be to be considered. What we used to do back in the day is definitely not what is needed to be done today. Things have moved on significantly. And uh, so the first thing, obviously, that came in was this whole change with regulation and compliance back in 2004 with the introduction of phase. Uh, you know, either you were there during that time, I fondly remember I was still in Valcom at the time and uh, there were people that were heavily actually involved from an advice perspective in this. And um, uh, they used to talk about these things and I said, oh, it'll never happen. Whatever you're dreaming, it will never happen. And lo and behold, in came phase and suddenly things started to change. And then I moved to Johannesburg and then obviously got to work with a lot of people over here. But yeah, it's just been amazing to see what, what has transpired and how that has evolved over time. Um, I just think like, although the intent of phase is obviously to protect the consumer, help the consumer, make sure that the level of advice gets better, it has come with a lot of regulation and compliance to make sure or to try and enforce and try and, and ensure that everybody is following these standards because that's all regulations are. They, they're really standards. And in my opinion, they are minimum standards. And it's always sad if we need to be told what to do. Like for me, it feels like we should just know what to do. What is the right thing to do? But obviously, it does not work like that in real life. So uh, that's what they try and do. But the problem is 
Now, if you want to work in this profession or this industry, then you have to comply with all these things. And not only that, you have to be able to prove that you are complying with all of this. And not only that, you now have to learn all the things that you need to comply with. So that's a lot of, I think, uh, almost unintended consequence. I don't even know if that was part of the conversation to understand if that will have an impact at all. doesn't matter. We are where we are. It's about, what is it now, 16 years later. So, yeah, but over the years, uh, I mean, there was just more and more regulations added. So think about TCF and RDR and all these things that are happening. So it's just becoming more and more and more of a thing to, to, to contend with. Then there were significant changes in terms of fit and proper. So obviously we had this long sort of time, I remember quite fondly, when you had to get your 120 credits. Does anybody even still remember that? Like 120 credits, that was the thing. And every single advisor who didn't have 120 credits had to go out and study and basically do an NKF level five financial advice qualification, even though you've been in this game for many years. So that was a big part. Like I was a big part of that for a very long time, help people with that. And uh, yeah, it was just interesting. But minimum qualifications has been long forgotten because it's just, you know, it's a ticket to the game. It is what it is. We're in and, and now we, we continue. Then there's this experience thing as well, which makes it difficult when people come into the industry because now there's supervision requirements. So we have to supervise new entrants into the market, which is great. I mean, I think we shouldn't have something like supervision necessarily. We should probably have something like internships, just by my view. But at least there's something to say, well, you can't just go out and give advice. You need to be supervised and your things need to be signed off, etc. So that is important. But then a very important thing came in in 2017, which was uh, which was CPD. Or, yeah, I think was it was it now? 20, I think it was end of 2016, end of 2017, yeah, end of 2017, and then became law in April 2018 or regulation. So now everybody needs to meet these new CPD requirements, whereas previously it was only uh, anyone that was affiliated with a professional body that basically had to have CPD points. And the sad part of this is, although it's, again, a fantastic, fantastic thing to do and say, look, guys, you've got to spend at least 18 hours a year that's one and a half hours a month, learning and staying up to date. Like you, you would sort of assume that that's a given, right? But again, this is seen as a tick box, unfortunately. And I've given up the fight. I'll be very honest with you. Like I have really gotten upset in the past where people are just, just you know, the first thing they would ask you for anything is, is there CPD events? Or is there CPD points for this? Is there CPD? Yeah, we do. But that shouldn't be the thing that makes you decide whether you do something or not. Now, that fight I've given up, right? So we just make sure that everything has got CPD. We cater for both. So the people that come for the value and the people that come for the points, we will cater for both. Not a problem. But if you really want to extract value, since you have to spend the time, and that's the other sad part is the shortcuts people are taking in order to get their CPD points and just be able to tick that box. It's a reality. Um, so again, I think, you know, the purpose of CPD is great. But how it's implemented and how it's managed and how it is is done is not is not really adding the value that they that they want to. But anyway, but it's all of these changing requirements. So you've got to stay up to date all the time. You've got to spend time on all these things. You've got to make sure that you're complying. You've got to document everything. So so those are are some of the things where I feel like you know these are things that are putting pressure on a lot of small IFAs uh, from 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 this perspective. 
Then there's also this thing about ever-increasing costs. And I'm not just talking about rands and cents because obviously everything's gotten more expensive. Your rent, if you're still renting, um, your obviously salaries have gone up. You've maybe implemented more technology, but that's an investment, remember, not, not a cost. So, But we're spending more and more money in order to run our businesses. Now, luckily, clients' income has, has also gone up, so we can charge more or we have more assets under management that can, can derive more, more income for us. But fantastic, right? But for me, more importantly, if I talk about ever-increasing costs, it's also the fact that, uh, you know, from a time perspective, if, if you should take just, yeah, there's the actual random sense cost, but the amount of time that we spend on things that are not related to talking to a client, engaging with a client, making changes to, to their planning, understanding what their world is about, understanding where they want to go, and making sure that we help and support them, we're rather spending it behind the computer screen. And I'm not talking about like a virtual meeting or doing things like that. I'm talking about, you know, I don't know, preparing plans, doing your compliance, answering emails, like all that kind of stuff. It's just where a lot of time is, is going to. Right. Um, the other big problem that I've seen, and, and this is this is an issue across business. I think it's not it's not only as far as financial services businesses are concerned, but specifically for us, is that if you look at the regulations that's been put in place, a lot of it is meant for big business, but they expect small business to comply to the same level as those big businesses. And the reality is that small businesses do not have the resources in order to do that, right? But still, it's expected. Think about like all these manuals that you need to have, all these things that must be documented. And yes, absolutely. I mean, I'm one of those guys that I preach that you've got to document your processes. You've got to put it into your technology in whatever system you're using. You've got to have a way of managing and measuring. It's just solid business principles. But the level at which which it's done for a small business uh, versus a big business, I think there's a fundamental difference. And you look at all the regulation, they make no distinction between a massive FSP and the one-man, one-woman show in the small town somewhere in the middle of the free state, for example. No difference at all. And uh, that is also putting a lot of pressure on on, on a lot of small IFA businesses from from that perspective. Then also, um, if you think about... For a lot of people, when they specifically, if you if you had in mind that you want a small IFA business, right? So independence, as I said in the opening, is extremely important. It's extremely important to me. It's extremely important to you. But some people envision that big business, and some with multiple financial advisors, etc. Think about a PSG uh, and so on. We maybe you just want just you, and you've got a couple of support staff. Maybe you have a partner. Like at most, that was sort of the vision right? And now suddenly you find yourself like your love was financial advice. That is the thing that you wanted to do. And now you find yourself doing a lot of other things most of the time rather than giving advice most of the time. So you it's just, just running the business part versus doing the advice part. And for some people, and I think particularly the people who are building these big FSPs, building a business is much more fun and a lot more what they want to do than give the advice themselves. Other people want to give advice. They don't want to really run a business. So it's basically horses for courses uh, from from that perspective. And then obviously the ever-increasing cost of staying up to date. So we just said, it's not just as now I need to do CPD. You need to stay up to date with what's changing. Whenever new regulation is coming in, you need to learn. If you think about the changes to FICA and all of those kind of things that's coming in, you're going to have to spend time and make sure that everything is fine. 
So these things are just creeping in and stealing our money, basically, because we can't spend the time uh, just looking after clients from, from that perspective. Look, and it's an absolute reality, right? So if you love this game, you want to be in the game, these are the rules. So you either accept it or you go sell beds somewhere. I don't know why I always use the bed story, but I mean, that that's your choice, right? So um, I think we're all here because we want to be here. We want to make a difference. And therefore, we contend with all of these things. But now I'm hearing all of these questions that people are asking. And it's very interesting to me to sort of hear more and more of these questions coming through and more and more of these discussions being had with me or I'm being part of something where these things are being discussed. And it's just very interesting. And, and one of the fundamental questions that come up is, do I still love this? Is this still what I signed up for? Is this what I envisioned? Like these are some of the questions that many financial advisors are asking. Not only IFAs, they are tired people as well. Like I thought it was this, it's something else, you know, because I need to spend all this time on all this. I thought I was just going to give advice and move on. So, so obviously um, there's, there's different views on that. The other question is, do I really want to be a business owner or do I really want to be a financial advisor? And only you can answer that question for yourself. But then I think the biggest question of them all is, is it worth the risk? All this risk that you're taking on from all the compliance and all the things that are being put on. Nikki just said, you know, basically whatever new regulation comes, it's just being put on the advisor. It's not the insurance company, right? It's not the FSCA. It does, it comes down to the financial advisor and financial planner. They are in the end responsible for everything. So yeah, is it worth the risk? I guess is the question on, on many uh, people's minds uh, at the moment. Right. So what are the signs <laughs> and what am I really talking about? So when we predicted, there were sort of two main predictions that I made way back, uh, well, about two years, maybe a little bit, bit more, uh, two, more than two years ago, is that I said that a lot of advisors, because there was this whole time frame from about 2006, seven or eight, around about there, where a lot of independent people moved to Tide. Why? Because they were amazing things offered to them. They were able to be, they, their books were being bought by the bigger FSPs or whatever. So that was the first thing. So we had this massive exodus almost of IFAs, people that I thought would never, ever do that. They did it. They went to a specific product provider, became tied because like everybody's got their price, I guess. And, and you know, it's what works for you and what works for your client. And they've been there for years now. But I think that is going to turn around again. So there will become a time or there will come a time very soon where you'll see a, a bigger exodus from Tide to IFA. But not necessarily people starting their own IFA businesses because of all these things that I've been sharing. My prediction was that, yes, there will be a move again for many people. Not, not It's not going to be massive. I don't think it'll be like crippling to any tight agency or anything, not, not by a long shot. But as these people move, they will look to join big IFA businesses. Why? Because one, I think they've become accustomed to the corporate sort of environment and, and how that works and to feel safe. And they want a brand behind them because they know what a brand does. So instead of building your brand from scratch, a lot of these advisors will go independent, but they will move into bigger independent FSPs 
And if you think about this, all the insurers have got their own independent advice businesses. I don't know even if you if you are aware, but all of them have got one now. Like I don't think there's one that doesn't have one. Well, apart from maybe, I don't know, there's a couple I can think of. But that's where things are moving. So if you want to be independent, but you just want to give advice, probably the thing that's going to happen is you will be looking at moving into a bigger FSP. So that's the one thing. Um, so what I've been seeing, that's a clear indication that this is happening more and more and more as well, because it's not only tied people moving away from tied into bigger IFAs. I'm also seeing the one-man, two-man shows moving into bigger independent FSPs. And not only people who are 65 and 70 and 75 years old who are things like, oh, I need to do something. I didn't, don't have a plan for succession. Let me go look where I can fit in and then they can take over my book and pay me out until I pass away. That's sort of not not necessarily what I'm what, what I'm just talking about. There are a lot of smaller um, IFAs that have been selling their books, and either they're moving and merging with bigger FSPs, or they're leaving the industry altogether. But this is something that, I, and how do I know this? Just go look on LinkedIn. The amount of acquisitions and mergers that are being announced on LinkedIn at the moment in South Africa is mind-blowing. Like every week I'm seeing like, oh, we bought another book. We need, we bought another book. We now did this. We expanded that. We bought this book. We brought this people, this person in. It's happening and it's happening faster and faster and faster. The other very clear indication that this is sort of where, where things are moving to at, at, at the moment is that because succession and specifically value, how do I value my business? What is my business worth? How do I determine that? What is reasonable for me and for the person wanting to buy my business. What does a business that is worth a lot look like? Like what drives up the value of my business? These are the questions that I'm being asked and that we're having conversations about. So very, very important that we uh, sort of take note of that. So it is on people's minds. And you can share with me in the chat if you want or in the comments, you know, like where, like, are you thinking about these things? Are these questions that you've asked yourself why am I totally off the road yeah? And am I missing a big point, uh, which I'm also very happy, you know, criticism and feedback, give me the feedback and criticism if you want. Um, but that's the thing. The other thing that just recently happened was the launch of a new business called Broker Space. And um, this was launched by the guys from Comspace. And I mean, they sit with all the data, all the things. And over the last seven years, they've really looked at um, this need. And this need has just become massive. And uh, they launched this business and uh, where they can match buyers and sellers because they know everybody. They can look for a good fit. They have all the data that is needed for this. And uh, yeah, so so something that, that has launched recently. So I think things like that happening is really an indication of, of there is a massive need at the moment. Either people want to get out or they are tired of running a business. They just want to do financial advice. Um, so yeah, the on, on that note, I think, as I said, what's going to happen. So Tide goes to IFA, but there's the more to a group IFA kind of thing. The small IFAs who do not want to run a business and they want to do financial advice is moving into bigger IFAs. And then you have, I think, which is powerful. And, and this is something actually that I, that I saw in 2002 already where people in Valcom, there was four, three of them, sorry, three of them. They came together and they merged their practices. They, the, but all three of them had big short-term businesses, but they also had a life business, each one of them. So what they decided to do is say, listen, like I've got all of this infrastructure 
but it feels like I'm not using all of it. So let's come together, share an office, share the back office, share the systems, and drive down costs that way. So they started a business together by coming together, putting all their short-term clients into one business and merging all of those. They all kept their individual life businesses at that point. But I think that is also something that can work well. If you have three or four or five people that you really get along well with, you have a similar vision, similar mindset, it may very well be worth considering forming a business together and uh, bringing everything together so that you can get economies of scale and that you can share the resources because nobody is using their, their resources fully. If you do, you're probably burning out your people, right? So you don't want to do that. But uh, those are my predictions, and that is what I think where, where we are headed, and I see this happening at a more rapid pace every single week. So definitely something to take note of. And I still believe that IFA is the, the place to be. But the question then for me becomes, what does it mean to be IFA? And we had a, a session in season one all about titles, and, and we spoke about that. But I think I asked the question, what is in a title, what you call yourself, et cetera. But being independent doesn't mean that you have access to every single option in the world. For me, it's more independence from a you are able to decide point of view. You decide who you bring into your value proposition. You decide what you can and can't do. You decide how you do it. That's what we're talking about with, with, with independence. And if you decide to, to, to join a big independent business, their value proposition, their way of doing things, that must align with how you would have done things uh, if you want to ensure a, a good fit for, for yourself. So um, that's sort of my thoughts on where the future is leading for independent financial advisors specifically. I'm asking the question, like, is this it? Is this what is going to happen? And I'm very keen to hear your thoughts on this as well. And uh, yeah, I don't have any other questions. So uh, that's it for, for the main segment. Happiness. All righty, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, on that note, uh, we've got uh, another session coming up next week, same time, same place. Thank you very much for being here live. I really appreciate it. If you're watching the recording and you watch up until here, really appreciate you. Uh, have a safe weekend. Uh, be blessed, prosper, and remember, continue to raise that bar. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Remember to check out the live show, uh, Propulsion Live, on YouTube every Friday at 7 a.m. South African time. You can find it at www.propulsion.co.za forward slash live that's propulsion.co.za forward slash live and please remember to subscribe share with your colleagues your friends and anyone who may find value like you did in this podcast once again thank you very much and we'll see you in the next episode